Hi, I'm Bronwyn Clark. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney. Hi, I'm Jenny Williams. Hi, I'm Tom Wren. Hi, this is Wendy Schaefer. Hi, it's Keith Bradshaw. And I'm Ben Hook. In conjunction with Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation, this is Hooked on Sport. Welcome back to Hooked on Sport for episode 31. And if you can identify with this phrase... You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Then the next 20 minutes will be time well spent. Tennis is our focus today, and I talked to Deb Sterry, who was the CEO at Tennis SA, and steers the ship on the reborn Adelaide International. If you think local tennis is solely a summer sport, think again. It's a 12-month operation from the elite performers to club pennant competitions right down to the social side of the sport at courts all over the state. And if you think the Adelaide International has escaped the clutches of the pandemic, think again. The Tennis SA team are working feverishly to give themselves the best possible chance of getting the world's best players here in front of the Adelaide crowds. Deb Sterry joins me in just a moment. Hi, it's Steph Nair and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Debbie Sterry, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Thank you, Ben. Great to be here. Debbie, you've uh, been in the role for seven months. You've overseen uh, a brand new international tournament, uh, the South Australian bushfires and the international COVID crisis. Uh, You've had 10 years worth of stress all rolled into about seven months, I would have thought. Yeah, it's it's been a a tricky uh, seven months. There's lots been happening here at um, Tennis SA, obviously with the Adelaide International. Then we were fortunate to have the Davis Cup here in March. And and as you alluded to, Ben, the bushfires and the uh, COVID uh, challenges is, yeah, it's been a very tricky few months. Let's just touch on the Adelaide International first of all, to to basically pick up a tournament from scratch. And we know we've had the, the past players uh, running through Memorial Drive in the previous couple of years, but you must have been really proud with what you were able to put on at relatively short notice at Memorial Drive with the International. Yeah, Ben, it was absolutely uh, fantastic. And, you know, to see, you know, over 50,000 fans coming through the gates, you know, over that week and, and having, you know, uh, the, the top players back here at Memorial Drive, um, it was great. And the feedback from the fans and um, staff were amazing through that time. And obviously having Ash Barty, you know, winning, uh, winning the women's event um, just, yeah, topped it off. So, yeah, no, it was a, a great week of tennis here. Memorial Drive is a wonderful historic venue. My understanding is there are some planned upgrades to the court, which has had the roof and it's wonderful, but I I think there's some further upgrades to come. Yeah, obviously we're working with um, our government. We have been for for quite a while to obviously improve where we can um, the venue, but the roof um, has just been amazing and the you know the feedback that we've we've had on that, and obviously the Adelaide International and, and other big events wouldn't be able to be held here if uh, yeah if we didn't have the roof. So yeah, we're exciting. We're excited about what's you know uh, in the pipeline over you know the coming months, but um, definitely working with government to see how we can improve the venue even more. Uh, where is the 2021 version of the tournament? Uh, are there going to be challenges relating to potentially getting all of the players that you had access to uh, last year into Australia? Is that still a bit of a work in progress? I imagine there's a lot of ground still to cover with all of that. Yeah, Ben, we've started obviously the the planning um, already and we've been doing that for the last couple of months and and like with the Australian Open, there's various scenarios that we're working through. You know, obviously 
from the fans' point of view, what the restrictions uh, will look like um, in January, which, as I said, we're all a bit unknown in that space, but we're definitely looking um, at all the scenarios and we're really positive that the event's hopefully going to go ahead um, in January and we're planning that way. Uh, obviously, with international travel with players is always a little bit tricky, but hopefully they see Australia as a, a safe place to, to come and play the summer of tennis. Very much out of your jurisdiction, of course, but it hasn't been a great couple of weeks for tennis, in particular with the Adria Tour. Just unfortunate that that probably got off on the wrong boot, I would have thought. Yeah, no, and uh, yeah, from a positive note, obviously the, the tournaments we're running you know, across Australia with the UTR event uh, that we're currently you know, um, in the throes that we've just started here um, yesterday. So you know, obviously the biosecurity measures and, and making sure that we're doing everything right. The players are um, obviously really briefed in regards to what they can and can't do and obviously not having any spectators at these events. So yeah, we've just been really big focused on what we can do here and yeah, so the, the UTR tournament's going across Australia at the moment's been really positive so far. I just think it's uh, we've now worked out why we prefer Roger Federer to Novak Djokovic, Debbie. That's uh, always been my theory. You are you are a twelve month sport. People, I, I guess, associate tennis as a summer sport, but I imagine you've had some fairly significant shutdowns of events in the previous couple of months. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, well Friday the thirteenth because it uh, is really embedded in my mind that we had to shut everything down, which was unfortunate. But um, Ben, the pleasing thing is on the. 13th of June, we were able to get winter pennant up and running. Uh, it was just unfortunate the weather um, wasn't on our side, so the first two weeks we got washed out. But um, yeah, even though it's summer sport, tennis is being able to be played yeah, even through these difficult times, obviously from a social aspect. But um, yeah, we got competitions up and running you know, in um, in June. So we only had a couple of months, but um, we were really pleased to see the amount of people out there having a social Social hit, obviously, adhering to all the restrictions and that um, were in place. So, you know, as a sport, even though we were impacted for a couple of months, you know, it, it was a sport that people could still go out and have a hit at their, their local club or, or court. So we are in early July. Are your clubs running as you would normally expect them to from a capacity of players right now or have, have things contracted a bit? Yeah, well, our winter pennant submissions were, were pretty well the same as last year. So all the clubs were really keen to, to get back out there and play. So, yeah, from a player perspective, um, yeah, the team the teams were full and I think they're working towards, you know, um, the, the summer events, which the, um, my team's currently working with all the associations on. But, um, yeah, winter pennant, we were really pleased to see that, you know, we were pretty well level on what, yeah, competitions were at at the same time last year. What about your your top end players? I imagine that uh, during the shutdown, it was probably very difficult for them to go to their clubs or to Memorial Drive and the top end facilities and and practice. How did you work around some of those challenges? Yeah, we still had the centre court here, um, Ben, with um, players coming out to to practice. Obviously, as we mentioned, the roof um, is handy in in the um, weather that we've been having. But as I alluded to before, the UTR um, Professional Series Tournament is up and running and the players were really excited to be able to come back and play some really high-level competitive uh, tennis, which is obviously being run in every state. So, yeah, so we've been working with the players. Obviously, it is they're living at that, that top level and just being able to provide them with every opportunity we we can so they're really excited to be yeah be part of the tournament be at, at, back out there playing what about uh, i guess replacing the fact that they didn't have a lot of and and it's great that you've got competitive events up and running now but what about in the previous couple of months how have you sort of replaced the fact that they haven't been able to travel up north where probably the weather's been
been a bit warmer and fine competitive events. How did that get uh, that time filled in, I suppose? Um, yeah, not a lot of the players have obviously still been working with their, their coaches. So, um, you know, just adhering to the restrictions, at least coaching was was able to continue. So I think, you know, a lot of the players worked on different, you know, um, fitness um, avenues, worked with their coaches. I know um, Tanasi was, uh, yeah, very um, yeah involved with obviously his coach and, and doing all the, the fitness work. So obviously it's been challenging um, for them, but we've just kept in regular contact just to making sure wherever we can help, we can, um, and just making the venues you know available should they want to come out here and play. Let's take a short break to hear from John Mannion at the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. It's brilliant that we're starting to return to sport, to return to physical activity and to be part of a team again. Both wonderful things that will have a positive impact upon our mental health. But for some of us, the time out of sport may have been a challenge and so returning to the sporting group might be difficult for us. Therefore, we think it's really great if we look out for each other. And one way to do this is to know the five signs of mental distress that can help ourselves, our family and our friends. So why not look out for things like is somebody not feeling themselves? Have they started to become withdrawn? Maybe they're showing some signs of agitation. They could be starting to neglect themselves or having conversations with you where they're expressing their feel sense of hopelessness. If this is the case, it's important to reach out and to put your hand up. Take the time to connect with your families and friends. Give yourself permission to relax and to recharge. Remember, it's normal to feel stressed, sad and confused. And talking to a trusted family or friend can really help you. Remain calm and try to keep a routine as normal as possible. Look after yourselves and your loved ones. And remember, we're all in this together. And now back to the show. My greatest experience of tennis, Debbie, is uh, the community Tuesday night. Hire a couple of courts down at Seaside and uh, a few sets of doubles with my mates. Um, where I mean, And that would be a fairly lucrative market, I would imagine, for a number of your clubs. Where uh, is that? Is that back fully fledged? You can get in contact with your local club and hire a court or is that still a little way off? Yeah, no, definitely um, people can go out there and hire courts. We've got um, a new initiative that we launched a number of months ago in regards to book a court. So there are um, clubs around the place where you can actually get on online and actually book a court and, and go out there and have a hit with, with family and, and friends. But we're definitely promoting as much as we can for people to get out there and play. Uh, we've been working closely with clubs to make sure that they have everything they need to ensure to the restrictions so we've had um, club packs going out to all the, the clubs and, and being aware if people want to come out and play what they, they need to do. Yeah, and at the moment, we're very much focused on the regions as well um, because, unfortunately, with some of the win- winter sports, with, with perhaps netball and football not up and running like they normally are, is making sure from a wellbeing point of view that we've got courts available that, that people can go out there, especially the kids, to go out there and, and play and, and enjoy the sport. I'm talking to the CEO of Tennis SA, Debbie Sterry. Debbie, I imagine one of your major focuses, not just the city but also the regions, is ensuring that as many of your clubs as possible can survive what uh, survive this shutdown. Are you confident that you're going to come out the other side with as many clubs as what you started with? 
Yeah, it's been you know, a great focus or a big focus for us is obviously the grassroots and making sure that clubs can and survive. So um, we've got a team of club development officers that are regularly in contact with the clubs, helping them through um, this period and, and obviously out there in the, the regions as well. So we're very much hands-on. Um, the team's out there on the road all the time. But look, it's going to be a tough time for some of the, the clubs out there, but we're very much working with them to hopefully ensure that they are up and running in the, in the summer season. What about junior tennis? Uh, are you confident that by the time the summer comes around that you're going to be able to get your programs through the schools and through your junior programs as you normally would? Yeah, we're very hopeful. And, and as I said, same with the um, bigger uh, tournaments like the Adelaide International, we're already um, planning for the, the summer season and the, the team's already working um, with the clubs. And, you know, a lot of it is obviously how it plays out with, with the restrictions and what can be played. But at this stage, we don't see any reason why summer tennis can't get up and running. So we're very much working on the, the junior tournaments and junior competitions as well because we see that as a, a really important part for the sport but also for the, the kids out there wanting to play. Debbie, my understanding is you're a reasonable exponent with the racket yourself. Are you still getting out on court yourself? <laughs> Uh, I wish, Ben. Um, funny thing is, I did the CEO sleep out a couple of weeks ago, and one of the challenges that the staff sent me was uh, if I raised enough money, I had to be um, the ball girl for them. So I'm doing that on, <laughs> on Friday. So that's the extent of my tennis. But um, unfortunately, after a number of serious knee injuries uh, many years ago, I had to put the racket away. But um, really pleased to come back to a sport that gave me so much um, as, a, as a junior and, and love, love the game then and, and love it now. So even I can't get out on the court like I used to, at least being involved you know, in this role and just seeing the juniors coming through, um, just yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, I did notice that you'd completed the Vinny CEO sleep out. How did you find that? Yeah, a little bit easier than what we were going to do on the court. So we were going to hold it here under our roof at Memorial Drive, but obviously with uh, COVID and the restrictions, we couldn't do the event. So we did it virtually. So I slept on the couch. Uh, we had a yeah, we could either sleep in the car, in the backyard, or on the couch for the night. But um, look, it was great to see everyone supporting the really you know, great event, and um, yeah, to, to raise the money that we did um, in this state was was outstanding. So we're hoping to hold it under our roof then uh, next year. Oh, very good. Well, that will be exciting. Debbie, perhaps just take us through uh, the, the the pennant competition, so the top end and the competition that we'll see getting underway in October. I mean, we understand Sandful footy and there's eight clubs there. We understand district cricket, but just go through uh, who your top tennis clubs are because I imagine people who aren't particularly familiar with tennis wouldn't be necessarily au fait with, with Denman and uh, and these sorts of tennis clubs that people perhaps aren't aware of, of where, where the top end players play. Yeah, well, it's spread um, pretty well across um, most of the um, the clubs. Um, obviously, we've got the state league headquarters at um, Millswood, um, but as you said, Denman, um, Henley. Yeah, there's there's a broad range of clubs that the players, yeah, actually um, play at. I'm not um, privy to exactly where um, some of them are playing for um, this year, but um, it's great to see that they are at um, various clubs across the across the state and obviously we've got the state league uh, that gets underway as well which sees our top players yeah, playing in playing in that event so that's definitely something that we're uh, working on at the moment and, and looking forward to launching that yeah, in September, October. 
uh, you, you mentioned that you've had a bit of a crook knee. One thing that tennis does particularly well is uh, it's, it's an inclusive sport, makes allowances for uh, athletes of all abilities and disabilities as well. Just explain a little bit about Tennis SA's involvement in, in sport for all abilities athletes. Yeah, obviously that's a, a focus on um, the inclusion side, Ben. So, you know, obviously blind tennis, we're doing um, a lot in that space. Um, obviously from um, the disability um, players in wheelchairs, that's something that we're very much focusing on over the next um, 12 months because, as you said, Ben, that we want every um, person to have the ability to play the sport and it's our job to make sure that we provide the facilities and the support for them to be able to to do that. So. Um, yeah, it's something that we'll be you know, launching some um, new activities um, across those areas. But, but blind tennis is, is something that, um, that we have been um, doing for a while now. We'll continue to do. Uh, Deb, uh, one other thing I know you were heavily involved with was uh, the support for Kangaroo Island and the bushfires over there. Uh, you were, I think you made a visit to Kangaroo Island alongside mm-hmm. uh, Keith Bradshaw, Jake Parkinson and Bronwyn Cly, who were uh, cricket, football, and netball, respectively. Just tell us a bit about what you saw over in Kangaroo Island and the devastation there. Yeah, it was um, devastating, and it was great that you know the the four sports we we all got together and and we you know wanted to go over there and support you know the community and the clubs as much as we could. But it was just really eye opening to go over there and through the Adelaide International, we um, held a fundraiser through the Roger Rashid um, Foundation, and was and pleased to advise that we. Raised over, you know, forty thousand dollars. Part of that was from the Adelaide International, but also the support from Tennis Australia. Um, and a lot of those funds were going to Stokes Bay over in Kangaroo, who were wiped out completely. And um, for those that would know in the in the region, it's the, their community hub, their their sports venue. So to not to have that, you know, for the for the kids and and everyone else is just devastating. So you know, we were really pleased to be involved in that and. Um, yeah, it's just outstanding how resilient everyone has been over there, and we're really looking forward to working with those clubs and getting them up and running um, for the for the summer season. There are some devastating photos. Do you, I, I tell you what I do, Debbie. I if I'm driving around in the country, I always have to go through a little town and stop and see the local football oval or the the cricket ground. Do you get a, just a bit of a that, that emotional feeling when you drive past a, a really rural community tennis court it might have a few weeds growing up through the through the lines or whatever but you know that this is where people gather of a weekend and uh, and fire a few balls back and forth at each other yeah you're right the, the passion out there in the regions for sport in general but also you know, obviously very much look at the the tennis courts and how we can perhaps work with a lot of these regional um, communities to improve their facilities so as part of the team here we have people that actually are working with the clubs around the venues to make sure that they are in a condition where people can apply uh, can play and in, enjoy the sport so yeah it's quite often I'm, I'm driving past and, and looking at the courts and seeing how we can you know help them to improve them even more but definitely in the regions they are just so passionate which is which is great to see which is why we've got to support them through this challenging time. Uh, Debbie, it's obvious your passion for tennis. I know you've been involved in the sport for pretty much all of your life. You're doing a wonderful job in a particularly difficult time. We look forward to seeing everybody getting back involved in tennis right from the grassroots all the way up to the Adelaide International, which we look forward to seeing in January next year. Debbie Sterry, thanks for joining us at Hooked on Sport. Thank you, Ben, for your time. Hi, I'm Bruce McAvaney, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. 
The diverse range of roles Deb has to fulfill in her position at Tennis SA is quite the eye-opener, and she gave a wonderful insight. So we really appreciate her time. So that is the backhand down the line winner on episode number 31. As always, our gratitude to Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation with support from Business SA and SA Health. Hooked on Sport is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So don't be afraid to shoot us a note, say good day, and share your story. Thanks to Ben Watson, who wrote and recorded the musical intro to Hooked on Sport and to the show's producers, Wallace Long and Desiree McMahon. See you very soon at Hooked on Sport. 